Okay, so, all right, enough of that. Let's, let's, let's uh, get into the word here. First Corinthians. I'm, I, I want to, uh, we, we've been in Colossians, and Colossians was kind of a, it was kind of a weird curveball that God threw at me. I wasn't planning on preaching through Colossians, but uh, it was, I enjoyed that. That was fun. Uh, three or four weeks in Colossians. I don't know how long we were in there. My intention was to be in 1 Corinthians. So today we are going to start our study of Corinthians, and, um, which, which I think, if you know anything about this book, it addresses all kinds of interesting issues. And um, so as we get through it, we'll, we'll get into some really interesting things here um, but today, here's the text today. Uh, let me read beginning verse 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sothenus, that was the uh, ruler of the synagogue in Corinth, um, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ their Lord and ours. Um, and when I say who, who together with all those everywhere, um, that just stood out to me during the first service. And I just really wanted to emphasize that. I think that's so important to where we're going today. To all those everywhere who are, who are calling on the name of the Lord Jesus, their Lord and ours. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way. In all your speaking and in all your knowledge, because our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you, therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God who called you into fellowship with his son Jesus Christ, our Lord, is faithful. Now, that's, a, that's a great opening. That's a, that's a, you know, saying you guys are, you're good. But then we get to issue number one. Issue number one, beginning at verse 10. I appeal to you, brothers, to the church of Corinth, and I would say to, to all Christians, I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another so that there may be no divisions among you and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers, some of you from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. Can you, can you imagine quarrels in the church? Can you imagine that? He, he, verse 12. What I mean is that one of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. He said, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? I'm thankful that I did not baptize any of you except for, for Crispus and, and, and Galius. Um, so, so no one can say that you were baptized in my name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus, and beyond that, I don't really remember who. It's not about that. This is what he said. I'm not, that's not about baptism. For Christ did not send me to baptize, verse 17, but to preach the gospel, not with words of human wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be, be emptied of its power. Right, let's stop right there, and let's, let's deal with this issue. The issue of division, division in the church. Is Christ divided? He says, my, my brother, some, of, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you, that you're quarreling, that the, the church, the body of Christ is quarreling. And what are they quarreling about? He says, what I mean by this, one of you says, I follow Paul, another I follow Paulus, another Cephas, another Christ. So right there, you see the, the issue at hand. The issue that Paul was dealing with, the church of Corinth was divided into four groups. One group loved Paul. 
Another one, uh, they loved Apollos. Another one, Cephas. Another one, uh, well, okay, so, so Paul, uh, was, I call them the, the, the Paulites. Understand this, Paul is the one who founded the church in Corinth. Uh, so the people who loved Paul, exalted Paul, they were, they were loyal to Paul. His followers would be the loyalists. And then, and then you hear about this guy named Apollos. Who's this? This would be the Apollosites who follow him. I made that word up, okay? The Apollosites. Um, Apollos was an elegant speaker, much like me, okay? And, uh, and, and okay, not, not there, okay. And his, his followers would be, okay, I, I wrote down the stylists, okay? The people who, they're, they're looking for a certain style. They want the, the, the preacher with the, the, the charisma who, who has the, the powerful stories, the powerful illustrations, you know? And, and you know, some, a great orator, um, and Paul was not this, Paul was not what Apollos was. Apollos apparently was this great orator. Paul was known. Paul was known for his writings, um, and he was known to be a great theologian, but he was also known for putting people to sleep when he preached. Remember the story of uh, Eutychus, who fell out the window and died as Paul was preaching? Not something you want on your resume, right? Okay. Um, and then, and then the Cephasites. The Cephas, Cephas was the name of Peter before Jesus changed his name to Peter, which means the rock. He was known as Cephas, and Paul refers to him as Cephas. And he's, he's one of the original disciples. And there were some people who thought we should be following Peter. But, you know, he's one of the original disciples. He walked with Jesus. And so these followers would be the traditionalists. And some people like tradition, don't they? Um, and, and then there's a fourth group, and we call them the, the, the Christians. Who, what, they, they followed Jesus Christ. And that would be right, right? I mean, aren't we supposed to be following Jesus Christ? But a lot of commentaries I read on this is this group was probably uh, pretty arrogant about it, um, fooling themselves. So, you know, you got to be careful of that. You know, yes, they're right, but they're also arrogant, which doesn't make them right. That makes them wrong, too. Um, so you've got these four different groups. This is the issue of, of the Corinthians. It leads me to a question, why are there so many divisions in church? Why is the church so divided? Um, and, and, and three areas that I would mention, and the first one, this is, this is right here, people are following people. They're following the wrong people. They're following Paul, Paulus, Cephas. Um, and and this, is, this seems to be a very common thing. Christians have a history of following people who follow Christ instead of following Christ. We're supposed to be following Christ. I remember when I first got started my ministry here. You know, I started preaching about 30 years ago. And, uh, and at that time, me and Stephanie were loosely connected with Southeast Christian Church. I'm, I'm thinking a lot of you know of South, Southeast Christian Church under, under Bob Russell. Um, and, and we were there when it was between 2,000 and 6,000 people. And, and, um, and then it, it blew up to 20,000 people. And Bob Russell had a pretty powerful ministry on the radio on Sunday mornings. At like 8 o'clock, Bob Russell would come on. And, and, and then we'd all come to church, and everybody would be talking about Bob Russell's sermon. Like, did you hear Bob Russell say this? And, and Bob Russell said this. And, Bob, and so Sunday morning, I'm getting ready to preach, and all I'm hearing, Bob Russell, Bob Russell, Bob Russell. It's kind of getting old, yeah. Um, and, and then I'd go home, and Stephanie would say, so how do you think the sermon went? I don't know. I don't, don't think it Well, Bob Russell would have said it like this. <laughs> so, and I love Bob Russell, but it's not about But what Paul said, did, did, did Paul, was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? Were you baptized in the name of Bob Russell? Were you baptized in the name of, you know, whoever? Who is it that you're following that, that is becoming an obstacle to somebody else who's, who's following Jesus? We're supposed to be Christians. We're supposed to be following Christ. 
But yet some people, uh, Martin Luther was, was, he couldn't stand that people were calling themselves Lutherans. No, you're not Lutherans. You're supposed to be Christians. And yet we, a movement out there called Lutherans. You got a movement out there, people called themselves Calvinists. Um, all these different movements. Um, and, 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 and luckily, I don't think our church has this problem of exalting the minister. Um, you guys are pretty good at making me not feel, feel special. Um, so <laughs> good job, church. Good job. All right. Yeah. So we follow the wrong people. We follow personal preferences. How often do our personal preferences get in the way? And what do I mean by that? I mean, what, what, some people like the traditional church. Some people like the contemporary church. Some people want a, a small church. Some people want a big church. Some people want the reverence, and other people want the, the, the joy of the Lord. And you've got all these preferences. So is it wrong that you have a preference that's different from my preference, or I have a preference that's different from your preference? Do we recognize they're just preferences? I had a guy come to my office one time and, and told me he, he loved me, he respected me. I don't know about that. Uh, and that he, but, you know, they just, God was moving them on to another church because our church, our church was known for being a contemporary church. And, and he said, you know, y'all, y'all seeing the, all those contemporary choruses and everything. And, uh, and he said, we like, we like the hymns because we're really, we're more spiritually mature than you all are. And, um, and that's pretty much how he said it. And I, I really, I wanted to slap him. And, I, and I'm thinking I can because I'm spiritually immature compared to him. And he has to take it. So I can, I can do this. Um, the, the, you, are, you have a preference. I have a preference. Preferences are okay until you make them an issue that's divisive. Until you tell me that you're better than me because of your preferences. Um, it's not okay that you think you're more spiritual than others because of your preferences. we got to keep those. Acknowledge, yes, we have preferences. But it's not about our preferences, Right? It's not about the preferences. Some of us, uh, another area of divisiveness is that we, we follow wrong purposes. And Paul here, he says, Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. And I would tell you as one, I love baptizing people. If we could baptize people every day of the week, I'd be baptizing people every day of the week. We had a baptism in the first service. It was a very exciting moment. Uh, we, we got another baptism coming. We got, we got a few baptisms coming up. Very, very exciting that we had. The, but is it about baptism? Baptism is important to me. But Paul says that's not the main issue, though. The main issue is the gospel, to preach the gospel. You've got some churches that, some churches make, make it all about baptism. I've, I've seen those churches. You've got some churches that make it all about speaking in tongues. I've seen those churches. Some churches, it's all about Calvinism. Some, some churches, some, it's all about the soup kitchen. It's all about the social issues. You've got all these soapbox issues that they build the church up on, and they're not building the church on the gospel of Jesus Christ. These other issues become more important than the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you've got to be so careful about that. Paul writes in Romans 16, he says, I urge you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teachings you've learned. Who's putting things, making things more important than the gospel. Yes, there are things that are important in this church, but are they more important than the gospel? No, they're not. They've got to be kept in check. There are, there are essential issues and there are secondary issues. And we've got to identify that. We've got to recognize that. Um, well, he, he says, keep away from these people who, who are putting obstacles contrary to the teachings you've learned. And for such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. That's what you've got to guard against. Are you serving your own appetite when you come to worship the Lord? Is it about you or is it about Jesus? And, and, and the warning here is if, if it's about you, 
it's going to cause division. And we, I'm hoping that by the time I'm done here, you're going to recognize how dangerous that is to, to the church, to the lost, to the, to the glory of God that we're so passionate about. This division is what ruins it all. So don't let it be about people. Don't let it be about preferences. Don't let it be about your personal appetite. Uh, so the church of Corinth, you're going to see, was a very uh, influential church. But it was full of issues. They had lawsuits against each other. They, they, they fought over their spiritual gifts. They fought over the Lord's Supper. Um, they fought over all kinds of things. It was a church full of pride. And someone said, pride is the only disease known to man that makes everyone sick except the one who has it. Matthew Henry, he says it like this. I think he nails it. He says, how far will pride carry Christians in opposition to one another? That's what we got to be careful of. Um, and, and Paul writes in Ephesians 4, he says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body. I'm talking about the church. And when I'm talking about the church, I'm, really, I'm not talking about just this this congregation. I'm talking about this congregation plus all the other congregations, the ones down the road, the ones you know, the, all over our state, all over our nation, all over the world. One body as it should be with Christ as the head. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through, one body, uh, through, through the bond of peace. There's one body, one Spirit, and you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. We should be making every effort to keep the body of Christ whole and pure so it can be effective to do what the body of Christ is supposed to be doing. However, the history of the church is, I would say, pretty damning. Um, and, and I want to take you briefly, quickly, through the history of the church, through the history of the past 2,000 years, beginning in the book of Acts, when the church began, the, the church begins, and, and what does it say in Acts chapter 4? It says, all the believers were one in heart and mind. They were unified. Another translation says, one, one accord. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice this, with great power. And I'm wondering if they had great power because they were unified, one in heart and spirit and mind. Um, and much grace was upon them all. And if you study throughout the book of Acts, you see that it, it quickly, the church quickly grew. It goes from 12 to 3,000 to 5,000 to 10,000 to where they just stopped counting because the church was growing so fast, so large, so quick. That was from 30 AD to 40 AD, or 30 AD to 60 AD. And then from 60 AD to 400 AD, um, the Romans, or that's not the book of Romans, but the Romans, the, the empire of Rome, um, decided to persecute the church. They wanted to, to destroy the church. They wanted to stop this church. They, they saw the church as a threat to, to the Roman empire. So, so there was great persecution. And through that persecution, what happened to the church? It exploded. They said that the, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the, of the church, the seed of the saints. Um, and, and, and from the explosion, I have a map here. There was five mega churches that, that were known. In, uh, and you got Jerusalem, which you, that's, the heart, that's where it all started, in Jerusalem. 
If you get to Acts 13, you read about the church in Antioch that sent out Paul and Barnabas. Um, Antioch was a missionary church. They're the ones who planted all the churches that you read about in the New, New Testament. Um, so, so it started in Jerusalem. It spread to Antioch. Antioch started planting churches all over the place. And, and, and history tells us about church in Alexandria. There's also Carthage, which isn't on this map. And, and then this, this little place out in the west that nobody really cared about, Rome, um, because the world was all in the east. The, the west, nobody cared about the west. That was like Crawford County, you know, so nobody cared. Um, so, 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 um, so you have these, these five churches. I, I see them as kind of the distribution centers. They're not, they're still one church. It's kind of like Amazon with all the distribution centers. In one church, all these dis- distribution centers. These were the five mega distribution centers where, where Christianity was, was going out of. Um, and then that takes us to 400 A.D. 400 A.D., something significant happened. Rome began to fall apart. Um, and as the empire of Rome fell apart, what's, what's intriguing, what's significant, is that the church in Rome began to do what the government in Rome could not do. The church in Rome was taking care of the citizens. They were feeding the people. They were protecting the people. They were distributing the welfare. Um, and, 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 and the church at Rome was not, not that big. I, I don't want you to think it was like this, what it is today, what it's become. It, but this is what made the church in Rome become influential and strong and effective, where people, people became a part of the church, the Roman Catholic Church. And, 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 and the Roman Catholic Church... Um, grew, became strong and influential and rich and powerful, which eventually led it to becoming corrupt. All things that, be, that become rich and powerful eventually become corrupt, and the church was no different. Um, and, and you see that throughout history. This leads to 1,000 A.D. Around 1,000 A.D. Um, was the first major split to the body of Christ. You, one body, one body, but, but because of, it was because of the statues. The, the eastern People, the people in the East thought this, these statues are idols. But the people in the West said, no, these statues are aids for our worship. We need these statues to help us in our worship. And there was a big fight over that issue. There was a big division over that issue. It didn't help that both areas spoke different languages. And in their, in their communication with one another, things got lost in translation, which, which worsened the whole issue. And, and the great divide happened between the East and the West. The body of Christ was divided. In the West, you got the Roman Catholic. In the East, you have the Eastern Orthodox. Major blow to the body of Christ. 500, later, 500 years later, because the Roman Catholic Church had become powerful and rich and, and corrupt, um, Martin Luther was trying to address some of these issues. We've got to get back to the Word of God. We, we've gotten too far away from the Word of God. We're, we're selling indulgences. It was, there was a whole history with it. All This led to what was, now you've got the Roman Catholic Church, you've got the Eastern Orthodox, and you've got these protesters who are protesting what's going on in the church, and that's known as the Protestants. These protesters are the Protestants, uh, led by Martin, Martin Luther. And I would tell you everything I know of the, of the story. I'm thinking Martin Luther was right to say what he said and, and to do what he did. But it led to now we got a, a third division. I don't, I don't know how you handle that. When, when, when Paul says, I appeal to you that there be no divisions in the body of Christ. And Martin Luther just didn't mean to cause a division. But that's what happened. 
as he was trying to get the church to, to return back to its roots and do what Christ has called us to do, um, it caused a third division. At that point, okay, we got the body of Christ split in three ways. And then the next hundred years, the floodgates came open. And the body of Christ started dividing like every other week. Um, you got, you've got the Calvinist started by John Calvin. You've got the Presbyterians, started by John Knox. You, you've, got, you've got the, uh, the Anglicans, uh, started by Henry VIII. Do you know the story about that one? Uh, the Anglicans was the Church of England. It came to America. Now it's called the Episcopalians here in America, but over in England it's called the Anglican Church. And the reason that church began was because Henry VIII wanted to, uh, wanted to divorce, and the Pope wouldn't allow it. So Henry VIII said, oh, yeah, well, I'll start my own church which seemed to be very fashionable at this time. Everybody was just starting their own church. And the body of Christ became more and more and more and more divided. Which leads us to today, there are over 20,800 denominations, different denominations of Christianity. And when I say different denominations, can I, can I say different divisions? Is that, is that not what that is? A denomination is a division. Um, and yet the Bible so clearly says, let there not be any divisions in the body of Christ. And yet with 20,800 20, different denominations, that's 270 added each year, five a week. We seriously need to think through this issue. And, and at this point, let me, let me put a plug in here for the Christian church. What is the Christian church all about? The Christian church became about, came about, about um, in 1850, around 1850. And, and what appealed to me from the history I read about the Christian church, the reason the Christian church was even, even began was to put an end to all denominations. That was their hope. That was their goal. Um, Barton Stone, who was a, a big part of the Christian movement, the Christian church movement, the restoration movement, uh, he was a, an ordained minister in the Presbyterian church. And, and he wrote, he published something that was very popular at the time in 1850, around that time, The Last Will and Testament of the Springfield Presbytery. And in it he wrote, we will, we will that this body die, be dissolved, and sink into union with the body of Christ at large. For there is but one body and one spirit. He basically killed his denomination and said, from now on, we're just Christians. We're just Christians. Uh, let, me, let me tell you a story. I, I remember in, um, in junior high, distinctly remember in junior high, at Hazelwood down New Albany, that's where I went to junior high, in the cafeteria, and we're talking about what religions everybody are. You know, what, what's your religion? What's my religion? I said, I grew up Baptist, and, and so I'm pulling all the Baptists together because I wanted the Baptists to be better than everybody else. I'm like, how, how many Baptists are there? There's like three or four. Um, how many Methodists? There's like three or four. Uh, Catholics? There's three or four. Um, I don't know. All these different, you know, all these different denominations. And, and uh, one person said, I'm just a Christian. Like, you can't do that. Uh, well, I'm just a Christian. Like, no, you gotta be, you got to be a type of Christian. You know, like, isn't that the rule? Aren't you supposed to be a type of Christian? And she said, no, we're just, we just are Christians. That rocked my world. I didn't know that was allowed. Uh, nobody told me that was allowed. Um, but this is what attracted me to the Christian church, that we, we're, we don't want to be a type of Christian. We just want to be Christians. We're not the only Christians, but we're just Christians only. And that was very appealing to me about the Christian church. Now, the rest of the story about the Christian church is that um, within probably 50 years, the Christian church um, split. 
And then now, now the, because of the Christian church movement, now you have the disciples of Christ, which is the liberal end of the Christian church, and you've got the church of Christ, which is a conservative end, the ultra-conservative end, and in some places really ultra-conservative. Understand Texas, there's 30 different types of churches of Christ, and they all think they're right, and everybody else is going to hell. I, I just point out all this history to say, can anybody see a problem? What is the problem with this? What is the problem with the church being so divided? And, and, and what I wrote down is, first of all, is that the world looks at the church and doesn't want anything to do with it. Like, look at how you Christians are. And you're, calling me, you're asking me to be a Christian? Why? You guys can't get along. The church has no unified voice against the evils in our culture. The church has lost its influence. The culture is quickly moving away from Christ because the church is so divided. And the church has no power. The church has no voice because we are so divided. John Gill, he writes, his human body was not divided. A, a bone of him was not broken. The seamless garment he wore was not rent asunder. Nor is his mystical body, the church, to be torn to pieces by division. Paul writes, I appeal to you. I, just, I want you to hear that. I appeal to you. I, I beseech you. I beg you that we would agree with one another, that there would be no divisions in the body of Christ. He's begging, and I'm begging that the church would get along and there wouldn't be divisions. I'm hoping you see the, the big picture. By the way, I'm, I'm preaching this sermon, not that there's any divisions that I know of going on in, in our little body of, of, of believers here, um, but just so we be equipped and informed and understand the importance of this issue and that you and I, as, as believers, we make every effort to keep the unity of the body. So, so, so let me end this here by just saying, what, what is unity? What is unity? And, and a few things I would say. Unity is not uniformity. Unity is not uniform. I praise God for the diversity there is in God's kingdom, in God's world, in God's creation, and in God's church. There were not all alike. We're not all cookie-cutter, you know, identical people, that we have different tastes, we have different styles, we have different histories, we have different views. And, and this really comes into play because I, as a, I am a person who grew up in church. And, and some of the things that I teach are things, you know, I, I, I learned this stuff in kindergarten. I learned this you know, my whole childhood, I was being taught these scriptures, taught the Bible stories. And, and as a result, there's some things that just aren't as fresh to me as they might be to somebody who's brand new to Christianity. And somebody who's brand new to Christianity brings fresh eyes and a fresh perspective. And they might bring up something I haven't thought about for 50 years. You see how beautiful that is, the diversity in the body of Christ. And, and, and a diverse, part of diversity is that you know, our church, I think, does some things well, but we don't do all things well. In the church down the road, they might do some things better than us in some areas. And another church might do some things better than us in other areas, but we, but we might be doing things better than them. And I, I just, I praise God, we excel in these areas, they excel in those areas, and these people, because, because the world means all of that. We're not good at everything, but another church is good where we're not good. Our, we're, we're good where they're not good. And all of us collectively make up the body of Christ, and that's what brings glory to God. Um, 
So we have different perspectives. Um, we have different gifts. Some churches excel in missions. Some excel in worship. Some excel in evangelism. Um, I, I feel like our church excels in our children's ministry and our youth ministry. Um, so, so all these churches have, have different things they bring to the table, different perspectives. They bring. When I say different perspectives, so let me go back to that. Um, I remember, um, you know, the, the, we believe in the Christian church, we believe in the plurality of elders. Um, I'm not the boss. Um, you know, Christ is the head, but under Christ is, is the eldership of the church. And I remember one time looking around at the, the board of elders and, and knowing that one of them came from a Baptist background and one of them came from a Methodist background and one of them came from a Catholic background and, and one of them came from a Church of Christ background and one of them came from a Jehovah, Jehovah Witness background. And, 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 and I'm going to think, because of these various backgrounds, you know, how in the world are we going to get anything done? And the way we got everything done is because we, it wasn't about our backgrounds. It was about Jesus Christ. We laid our backgrounds at the feet of the cross. We, who cares about our backgrounds? What is the will of God in this church today? Um, so all these various perspectives working together to, to, to pray about how to lead this church effectively. And it, it was effective. It was really neat to see all these different backgrounds working together. I thought that was a beautiful thing from God. It says in Proverbs eleven fourteen, for the lack of guidance, a nation fails. But with many, uh, with many advisors, they make victory sure. Uh, I think God's going to take my perspective. He's going to take your perspective. He's going to take everybody else's perspective. We put all that together, and we, we realize what God's will is. We, we, we come to what God's will is there. Um, all right, so we have different perspectives. We have different gifts. Uh, unity is not uniformity. Um, unity is unity is agreement. I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree with one another. Be perfectly united in mind and thought. So agree about what? Is it okay when, we, when there's some disagreements? Um, do we... There might be some disagreements when, when it comes to like painting the, the, the church or when it comes to you know, remodeling the church, when it comes to uh, you know, carpet or something. You know, we might not agree... Um, there's secondary issues, and there's primary issues. And the primary issue here, we should be perfectly united in mind and thought when it comes to the message of the gospel. To understand Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. Jesus beat death. Jesus is coming back. Paul writes in Galatians, I'm so astonished that you're quickly deserting the one who called you by the, by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Now, when it comes to the gospel, we must be in agreement. And I was, this, this hit me uh, strongly this week, uh, reading, uh, studying, and, and that in the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that Matthew emphasized certain things that Mark and Luke and John didn't. And John emphasized things that Matthew, Mark, and Luke didn't. And, and Luke emphasized things that, that the other guys didn't. Like, like you, can't, you can't find one parable in all four gospels. You, you, you can find, uh, you know, you, it might be in Matthew, it might be in, in Luke, but it, it won't be in John. The Lord's Supper isn't in all four Gospels. Um, his temptation is, is only in two Gospels. His, the, the birth of Jesus is only in two Gospels. So there's a lot of room there. I mean, did, it's not like they didn't agree. They just didn't focus on the same things until you came to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's what they all focused on. They all emphasize the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, which tells you something there. It wasn't, 
It's not about the teachings of Jesus, all the parables of Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount. It wasn't about that. It's about the substitutionary death that Jesus gave us. He died in our place. That is the gospel message, and that's what we must have agreement on. We must be united in our message, the gospel. We must be united in our purpose, in mind and thought, in our purpose. What is our purpose? And our purpose is to spread the gospel, to preach the gospel. 1 Corinthians 1.17, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not, get this, not, not necessarily with words. He's not saying you all have to do what I'm doing up here. But, but what's, what's he saying? Preach the gospel not with words, um, words of human wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Not with words, but with your lifestyle. As you leave this building, as you go back into the world, your purpose is to bring glory to Christ by your life. Be salt, be light, be different so that we can make a difference. Be different so that we can make a difference. The, the word division, let me, let me see if I can wrap all this up. The word division comes from two different words, di is a prefix, which means two, which means double. And then you got the word vision. Uh, so what does that leave you? Two, two visions, double vision. If you've got double vision, you got a problem, don't you? Um, you? You need to get that checked out. If a church has double vision, it needs to get that checked out. It's not right. That's not, that's not of God. Division happens when there are competing visions. We have one vision, and that vision is to bring the lost to Christ, to preach the gospel of Christ. You see this in the, in the New Testament church. All believers were one in heart and mind. And with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord. And much grace was upon them. And the gospel spread. And people came to Jesus Christ. And it radically changed the world. I'm just telling you, church, we got to get back to that. we got to get back to this. You and I need to be united in, in heart and mind. And our church and the churches, uh, uh, the churches in the area need to be united in heart and mind. All the churches that, that proclaim Jesus Christ need to be united in heart and mind because this is what brings glory to God. And this is what brings the lost to God. It's, it's, it's magnetic when, when the church is working. I've said this before. When the church is working the way it's supposed to work, it's, a, it's the greatest institution in the world. And when the church isn't working the way it's supposed to be working, it's the worst institution in the world. So let's make sure we're working the way we're supposed to be working. Let's be unified in our purpose, in, in heart and mind. Let's bring glory to God. Let's bring the loss to God. Let's bring the power of God by being united. How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. Make every effort to keep the unity. Yeah, I, mean, I'm, I just want to close by saying that's on all of us. That's on all of us. All of us working together, knowing how important this is, knowing this is what will bring glory to God. This is what will bring the lost to Jesus Christ.